Good evening and welcome to Shocktober. And now a man who devoted his life to becoming an astronaut until he found out you can buy Tang in the grocery store. It's the Count. Tonight's frightening movie is about a scientist who tries to raise the dead without getting a hernia. So sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy... Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and, oh my God, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. Welcome, my children of the night. So glad you made it home to the podcast. The undead call more dead than dead is dead. I am talking about the next level network production of What Looks Behind Podcast Zero. I am your host this evening, Paul Williams. Also the host of the podcast where many bats haunt the belfry. The Bats, Bows and Books podcast. Which I need to say this episode for this podcast will not even be remotely close to being as angry as that last episode was for that podcast. That was some extreme rage shit going on for that podcast. And this one's going to have none of that going on. (laughs) Yeah, if... uh, If you follow the TV show Arrow, you'd know that uh, last episode really pissed me off. But not this episode. Not this podcast. And with that being said, this is episode 5 of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And today is actually going to be a double chiller thriller of sorts. Not one, but two movie reviews this week. Yeah, this double feature is going to consist of two films. Uh, Veronica, which was released on Netflix. uh, Actually, about a week ago, really. I just watched it today for the first time. And uh, an indie film known as 1031. But first, let's look at a few corpses we need to lay to rest first. Uh which I'm speaking of, the Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars uh, this year focused a little bit on the horror genre. It's nice for once. It's been a while. Uh, What, Exorcist? It's probably the last really big one. Well, Silence of the Lambs, too. Um, Trying to think of other ones. American Werewolf in London won some awards. I know there's other films in there, probably... I'm not thinking too straight on the Oscars. The Oscars don't really get much of my attention to begin with, but um, this past year, well, this past Oscars, I should say, Oscars 2018, there's a few winners in the horror genre. Uh, Let's see, Best Picture went to The Shape of Water, which also won for Best Director, Guillermo del Toro. Best score went to The Shape of Water. Best production design went to The Shape of Water. Best original screenplay went to Get Out, which... Okay, 
Um, I don't know if I really feel that Get Out deserved Oscar nominations. I mean, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I do enjoy it. I, I've watched it, uh, I think, twice now? Maybe three times? It's not bad. I mean, it's, it's a good movie. I enjoy it. But I don't know if it deserved Oscar nominations. At least my opinion, anyways. Cinematography and best visual effects went to Blade Runner 2049, which, in my opinion, more deserved a nod for Best Picture as opposed to Get Out. But it is what it is. I mean, hey, it, it's awesome that horror even got noticed this year. So that's it's really cool. Uh, apparently, some people were still pissed off <laughs> with the Oscars, which, come on, the Oscars are a joke. But anyways, there was a few people that were pissed off because there was a In Memoriam section and Toby Hooper was not one of the names listed, as well as Adam West, who um, most people don't realize that he was in a horror film in the late 80s known as Zombie Nightmare, which also ended up being the first um, like feature film that Tierra, uh, Tia Carrera... Why can't I ever say her fucking name? Tia Carrera, uh, it was her first feature-length film. And someone by the name of Sean Levy, which if you follow Stranger Things very closely, he would go on to direct and be executive producer for uh, several of the episodes. Actually, he's the executive producer for the whole thing. But he also directed, I think, I want to say four episodes. So, but yeah, um, Toby Hooper and Adam West both were not mentioned and some people were pissed off about that. But, eh, it is what it is, right? It's the fucking Oscars. Like I say, the Oscars are a fucking joke. I don't take that shit too seriously. But, all in all, nice that horror got, you know, a couple nods. Um, also this week, or last week, I should say, was announced for this week. <laughs> um, Waxwork Records have announced that Dario Argento's Tenebrae will be getting the vinyl treatment. All we know at this time is that it will be a 2LP set on a 180-gram vinyl, so expect more news throughout the week on that one. And let's see, what else is there to talk about? Uh, this year is going to be a big one for the Halloween franchise. We already know that the, the movie's coming out. Uh, David Gordon Green's sequel to John Carpenter's classic, uh, which um, Carpenter has been involved with, Jamie Lee Curtis, Nick Castle, uh, set for release October 19th, 2017. But it's also the 40th anniversary of the original. Um, and Halloween Daily News confirmed that the franchise is celebrating really big this year. Uh, something about the site reported that Sean Clark, who helped organize the 25 Years of Terror event in uh, 2003, uh, he's uh, he's uh, apparently going to be uh, heading the major event happening in 2018 to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the classic Halloween. Uh, they noted that the event will be held in Pasadena, California, which is where the original Halloween was filmed. And uh, the event will be taking place in October. <laughs> Duh, really? <laughs> I don't think they had to tell us that part. But, um, yeah, that it was kind of a slow week for news. Um, well, I mean, not slow. I mean, it was a lot to do with the Oscars and whatnot. Uh, I know, um, I believe it's Phantasm Magazine is also uh, doing a commemorative issue towards uh, Linnea Quigley, who has been a major Scream Queen specifically in the 80s, but she continued on through the 90s, 2000s. Recently was uh, part of the uh, indie film uh, The Barn, which kind of ties in with 1031. More on that in a bit. Um, but I think we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, dig into the first of two features for this week's movie reviews. Uh, I'm talking about the Netflix um, 
Netflix film known as Veronica. It's a decent movie. Can't wait to talk about it. After the break. Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Okay. So, part one of our double chiller thriller, Veronica. Um, I had no clue about this movie at all, actually. Um, it kind of quietly dropped on Netflix, and I had no clue. All of a sudden, I started seeing people talking about it on uh, social media. I was like, hmm, I think I want to look into this. Now, supposedly, this was like the scariest movie of all time, and you know, people ran out of the theater screaming, ah! I have something to say about that, but in a bit. Uh, First of all, Veronica, released August 25th, 2017 in Spain. However, in North America, its first presentation was September 7th, 2017 at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's a Spanish film directed by Paco Plaza, written by Fernando Navarro and Paco Plaza. Um, it's a subtitled movie, so if you're going to watch it, you're going to have to read it, which really isn't all that bad. Fuck, some of the best movies have been subtitled, so I saw people complaining on the internet, oh, I gotta read it! Oh, okay, well, fuck, either read it or don't watch it. Shut up. Um, (laughs) I have no tolerance for people sometimes. Uh, film starring San... Okay, I'm prefacing this right now. A lot of these are Spanish names. I will do my best to pronunciate them properly, but I'm not. I, 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 we all know I'm horrible, you know, with names. So bear with me. Starring Sandra Escasina. She is Veronica. She's really good in this too. She's really good. Um, also starring Bruna Gonzalez. Claudia Placer or Placer, uh, Ivan Chavero, Ana Torrent, Consuelo Trujillo. <laughs> I know. Oh my God, I'm butchering these fucking names. Angela Fabian. Oh, that one was easy. Uh, Carla Compra and Kima Adiva. If I've said any of those names wrongs, uh, wrongs. Oh my God, I can't talk tonight. Yeah, I'm recording this late night, and I've been up all day. Um, Lots of coffee. (laughs) A lot of coffee. Um, Anyways, uh, the music also was done by Chucky Namanera, and I bring that up because I thought the music was very interesting in this movie. There were times when the the music almost felt like it didn't fit the mood, but it kind of worked in a kind of weird way. So, I don't know. Whatever. Um, Synopsis. It's a long one, too, so I'm going to try and do this as quickly as possible. Uh, Madrid, June of 1991. Veronica is a teenage girl surpassed by the circumstances. After her father died recently, her mother works in a bar all day, and she must care for her three siblings, uh, twin girls, Lucia and Irene, and the youngest, Antonito, or Antonio. Um, I'm assuming it's like Anthony in, like, you know, American speak. (laughs) Uh, Still mourning for her father's death, Veronica decides to play a Ouija board with her friends Rosa and Diana, taking advantage of a total solar eclipse where all classmates and teachers 
are on the school's rooftop watching it. And they've got like um uh like old negatives from like old cameras, not the digital shit, obviously. Um well it's nineteen ninety one, right? So they didn't have digital cameras back then, but like they've got the negatives and supposedly if they look through the negatives they could stare at the eclipse and it didn't burn their eyes or nothing. Um so the girls are alone in the cellar. The girls try to contact their recently deceased family members uh, because I believe it's Diana. I believe uh, she lost her brother as well, I think. Yeah, I think it was Diana was the one who also lost. She lost somebody anyways. Um, and the, the, Ouija, the Ouija session goes completely wrong and something happens to Veronica. She hid from her mother what happened. Um, and she starts to feel strange presences uh, inside the house and fears that these ghosts or spirits are a threat to all of her siblings. Uh, as a matter of fact, she's advised by Sister Narcissa, who they nickname uh, her. They nickname the the nun uh, Sister Death. She's really fucking cool. I liked her. Um, about the sinister spirit which is close to her, Veronica, looking for a way to break contact with the ghosts. And save everyone, she's suffering hallucinations, horrible visions that progressively end up violent, and the intensity that turns the whole house into a nightmare where no one is safe. So, to sum all that up, this is basically a possession story. Um, it, it's Veronica uh, feeling the the heavy burden and the remorse and the sadness of her father's death, the spirits cling to that and they they leech onto her basically when she calls upon like she wants to speak to her father but that's not who answered the call as sister death says basically and um yeah it it it, it was a decent movie it is really good let me let me preface all this right now by saying i did enjoy this movie quite a bit uh, somewhere along the line, though, I've either become way too desensitized to the horror genre, or this movie is not as scary as it's hyped up to be. Could be a bit of both. Um, because the hype on this movie, like, when I was reading about it before I actually watched it, like, 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, first of all. Which, I hate Rotten Tomatoes. But anyways, that's that's a whole other story. Um I don't know. I, I for me, it, it, it's sad when the media and certain pockets of social media they hype something up so much that you go into it expecting like like I honestly like I I've been saying this for years. Anyone that's known me for quite a while knows this. I'm waiting for a movie to scare the shit out of me again. It, it's been a long time. So I'm reading about this and I'm thinking, okay, this sounds like it's gonna be a decent flick. I. Uh, for all I know, maybe I'm going to get a you know a jump scare that's going to work or something. I mean, because when I saw It, uh, Stephen King's It, uh, the 2017, um, uh, basically uh, reimagining of uh, Stephen King's It, when I saw that, I, I'm not going to lie, there were a couple scenes where I kind of jumped a little bit. Not a whole lot. I mean, it would be like, whoo, shit, that was kind of cool. Um, but I have yet to see a movie that really sticks with me. It's been a long time since that's happened. Uh, I mean, that said, like, I, I think if maybe an animal had died in this movie, that might have fucked me up. I have a, I have a real issue with animal deaths. Um, I can watch a lot of shit, but an animal death is something that kind of sticks with me. That and pedophilia. I will never watch a Serbian film. Never. Never, ever, 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 ever am I going to watch a Serbian film. It's not going to happen. Um, I don't care if it's fake. I don't care what fucking bullshit story someone's going to try to sell me on. I will never watch a Serbian film. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the fact that there is uh, uh, scenes, whether they are um, hinted at or they're shown, I don't give a shit. Uh, there's scenes of pedophilia in that, and I will not watch it. Um but back to Veronica, obviously. So, you know, going into this, I'm kind of hoping, okay, maybe I'm going to get spooked a little. No, didn't happen. That said, this is a decent flick. I Again, I, I want to make sure I make that very clear. This is a good movie. I, I recommend this movie. This is, it's really a good movie. No doubt about it. Um, 
Sandra Escasina is really solid as Veronica. She's really good. She really played that role up very well. And as I stated earlier, um, Consuelo Trujillo, I know, I like I said, I'm butchering the name. I know I am. But uh, basically, she's Sister Death, and fuck, she's nice and creepy. Um, creepy in a good way. Creepy in a good way. Like, I enjoyed her character. I enjoyed her role. Uh, there's one scene, I know, spoilers. I'm trying to avoid those, but this was kind of funny. She has her first encounter with uh, Veronica. And, I mean, Veronica, I think, is supposed to be, like, a 14 or 15-year-old girl in this. And the nun is, like, smoking, and she's like, oh, do you smoke? And Veronica's like, uh, no. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that was, it, it was kind of, like, the little added humor. Because um, there's not a lot of humor in this movie at all. I mean, unless you're kind of like me and sadistic and you laugh at certain things, probably most normal people wouldn't. Um <laughs> That said, uh, I really, I fail to see how this is a perfect film or a terrifying film. And and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just the hype going into this was so, you know, through the roof. Oh my God, this movie scared the fucking crap out of me. I don't see it. Um, I like it, but again, it's, this is how I kind of felt. This to best to best describe the film without spoiling anything. Take a bit of the Exorcist vibe, and, and from that, I'm I'm talking more in terms of the Ouija board. Uh, like it's got kind of like a Captain Howdy feel to it, you know, like the whole like somebody answered this call, but it wasn't who you thought it was, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so it's got that going for it, and then. I kind of felt like it had um, an, like a, a feeling of It Follows, where there's like the spirit that's following her. I mean, granted, she didn't have sex. It's, it's a different kind of, different kind of um, motive for the spirit. I mean, it's in It Follows, it was like, you know, hinting at like, you know, sexual diseases and whatnot, where this is something totally different. It's more latched onto her, her grieving and her, her sadness. And that's what it, it's gripped onto, her fears. Um, but again, it, it had like an It Follows feel to it. Uh, not the most original film I've seen. So again, the 100% fresh, I don't get. I, it, it's not 100% fresh. That's not to say, again, I, I, I'm going to say this over and over and over. It's not a bad film. But it when it's hyped that much, that's what is kind of, it takes away from the film. Um even though it's not original, that part of it is not much of a detractor in the fact that, again, like I said, the film is still solid and has some really cool visuals. There's one part, um, spoilers, she's like laying in bed, Veronica's laying in bed and all of a sudden like these like, like, like kind of like spirit like hands come out of the mattress and like are pulling at her and stuff. It looks really fucking cool. Um, it's, it's a good movie. I, I, did enjoy this. Uh, do I think it's a perfect film? Do I think it's the best film? No. Um, still, I'm going to be on this kick for a while. Still think the best film out of 2017 was Blade Runner 2049. But that's me, and that's my own personal opinion. It's my opinion, not yours. That's my slogan for 2018. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like th- This movie is really good, but the overhype that came with it when the movie was said and done, I felt like it left somewhat of a, a slight disappointing taste in my mouth. Um, I do like it, though. I, I give it a 6 out of 10 myself. I think it's decent. I think it's worth watching. I think people that aren't aren't as privy to horror films, like aren't um, haven't watched as many films, or are like are the kinds that really, like, you know, fall into the film and become part of the film almost almost like you know uh this may scare the shit out of you um like i said i think myself personally i've seen so much shit in the horror genre i i just i can't be scared of it um i think it's also a fact that uh possession films in general don't really scare me uh for me it's it it's the animal thing 
uh, Pet Cemetery stuck with me for a while. Um, well, Pet Cemetery stuck with me actually for a totally different reason. Zelda is creepy as fuck. Um, and that scene, uh, especially the, the scene where, uh, Rachel looked into the bedroom and, you know, Zelda starts like running towards her and is screaming, you'll never sleep again. Oh my God. Like that, that fucked my shit up when I was younger. I was like, Oh my God, that one's fucking creepy. Um, I, I would actually have to also, you know what? There has been a film that kind of creeped me a little bit. Uh, the conjuring Two. Uh, simply for the fact of the nun, uh, Valak. Yeah, that shit was kind of creepy. Um, but I, I, my, my biggest thing with movies is animals. Like, and you know, it, it's kind of interesting because like there's the, the film Cannibal Holocaust. I actually haven't seen the film. And the reason for that is because I know that animals really were killed during the filming of that movie. Uh, had, had that not been a part of that film, I probably would have watched it by now because cannibal movies really don't bother me either. Um, I know that probably sounds really sadistic of me, but they don't bother me. Um, but the fact that I know that there were a few animals that were killed in that film, it, I can't do it. Uh, Friday the 13th, actually the, um, the one scene, the, the original Friday the 13th, there's the snake that gets cut in half. That actually happened. That mm, sticks with me a little bit. I, I love that movie too much to stop watching it, but knowing that an animal was killed during the filming of Friday the 13th does kind of irk me a little. I, I'm too much of an animal lover, so I don't care if it's a rat. I don't care if it's a snake. I don't care if it's a dog. Animal deaths bother me. People deaths, people possessions, shit like that, people being eaten by other people for some reason does not bother me. I think for the most fact, because I know it's not real. But when it comes to an animal, I can't deal with it. I don't know why. That That's... It's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit here before I get into the next film. So one of the Next Level Network podcasts, uh, Caffeine Crew, Back around Halloween, they did um, a full episode on horror movies. And at that time in my life, I kind of was going through shit. So I didn't listen to the episode when they had dropped it. And this past week, I actually went back and remembered to go and listen to it. And there's a part in the podcast where they're talking about where's the line you won't cross. And I'm talking to the podcast, not like they can fucking hear me or anything, but Right away, like, you know, they ask the question, what's the line in horror movies you won't cross? And I blurt out as loud as I can, a Serbian film and dog deaths. Can't deal with either of them. <laughs> Not like they're going to fucking hear me. But I kind of realized that's like where my my line is. Um, because anything else just doesn't bother me. And again, with Veronica, it's my own fault. I bought into the hype. That's my bad. I should have known better because it's the media and the media usually pisses me off more than anything else. But I bought into it. I thought I'd give it a shot and I think I walked away a little disappointed. But as I have said, this is a good movie. I do recommend it. And uh, I even did a blurb on Letterboxd, uh, a quick non-spoilery blurb. Because I started using Letterboxd to write reviews for movies. Um, I don't have a blog set up for the podcast, so I'm using that for now. And I kind of like its setup and whatnot, so I'm using that. Uh, I, I'll let you guys know where you can find me on there. Uh, well, it's letterboxd.com, uh, what lurks behind Podcast Zero. So if you use Letterboxd, you know, you can follow me on there. But um, that's basically all I really have to say about Veronica. It, it, that's why I'm kind of doing two features this week. I really didn't have a lot to say about the film, especially in the fact that I don't want to spoil a lot. It is a really cool ending to the film, so I don't want to spoil that or nothing. Um, but definitely, uh, it's recommended. I highly suggest you check it out. It's on Netflix, so it's very easily accessible. And as long as you don't mind reading your films, which, I mean, come on, Pan's Labyrinth is one of the greatest fucking movies of all time, and you have to read it. So deal with it. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm pretty blunt about that. You know what? Read the fucking movie and shut up um, because it's a damn good movie. 
on that note, I think we're going to take another small break. I want to drop the trailer for 1031 on here. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk a bit about that movie because that was something else. When we return. Good evening, my victims. And welcome to my Halloween monster marathon with me, your host, Malvolia, the Queen of Scream. figured it out that what 1031 stands for October 31st one of the greatest fucking days of every year yep and this movie has a shit ton of credits I have to go through so I will try to do this as fast as I can this is an anthology um, of stories done by several different directors writers actors uh, it, it's a huge project that was put together by a bunch of independent artists, actors, actresses, musicians. Uh, it was funded on Indiegogo. Uh, I heard about it because I had, this was, fuck, I'm going to say it was about a year ago. I'd heard about this film called The Barn. And the reason I heard about it was because Linnea Quigley was uh, part of the project and uh if you know me you know that return of the living dead is probably my all-time favorite movie ever uh it's definitely up in my top 10 it's in my top five probably my top fucking three and knowing she was a part of it i got wind about this movie called the barn the barn was put together by a director by the name of justin m seaman and the soundtrack was done by Rocky Gray, and Rocky Gray was the ex-drummer for Evanescence. And I'm a huge Evanescence fan, so knowing all these little like little connections and whatnot, I found out about this movie, The Barn. Ended up uh, around uh, Halloween time. Well, it was like early October. I ordered the Blu-ray, got the Blu-ray in time for Halloween, and holy shit, <laughs> that movie was everything awesome. So. Um, following through social media and whatnot, I got wind of 1031, which was another project that both Justin Seaman and Rocky Gray were a part of, as well as many other, uh, individuals, including PJ Starks, who was responsible for Volumes of Blood, which is another great independent film. So long story short, I started on the hunt for 1031 and it was hard at first because they were only releasing the DVD to the U S being, I live in Canada. I couldn't get my hands on it right away. And it seemed like it was kind of frustrating in the beginning, but as time went on, they started that, you know, they did worldwide shipping and I got my hands on a DVD and I was, you know, it was interesting because I kind of had my expectations high just because of how much I loved the barn. And sometimes that cannot pay off so well. You know, not having your expectations really high, sometimes you can be let down really hard. Well, with 1031, that wasn't the case. 1031 really impressed the shit out of me. And again, it's a low-budget project. Um, like I said, Indiegogo uh, funded for parts of it anyways. And I mean, like, it's not you. It, you got no big name directors on here. You don't. You don't have a big name studio behind it or anything. So I mean, you have to accept what you get. And I was impressed. Um, the creators of the barn, uh, other films known as uh, Bone Jangles, Dooms, Chapel Horror, uh, and the producer of Volumes of Blood, which is P.J. Starks, uh, they were all responsible for this. Uh, the directors included Brett Diager. Rocky Gray, Zane Hirschberger, John William Holt, Hunter Johnson, and Justin M. Seaman. 
The writers on this, basically the same lineup except a little few changes. Uh, Brett Diager again, Rocky Gray, Zane Hirschberger, Justin Seaman, Jason Turner, uh, and the music was done by Matt Cannon, Rocky Gray, and Jake Siner. I want to say it's Siner. And anyways, uh, a lot of the actors in here are actors they've worked with before. Like for instance, for instance, uh, Mitchell Mussolini, Mussolino, sorry, uh, he was in the barn. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who was the other one. Uh, Jordan Phipps, I believe, was in the barn as well. Um, Cindy Maples was part of, I want to say, Bone Jangles, but I could be wrong on that. Um, anyways, like the it, the cast, it includes Mitchell Mos- Mo- Mussolino. God, I cannot fucking pronunciate shit tonight. Uh, Jennifer Nangles, Cindy Maples, Wendy Keeling, Nicholas Joshua, Bailey Ingersoll, Sable Greedle, uh, Chad Bruns, uh, Hanley Baker, Jadet. <laughs> okay, here's a name I can't pronounce. Jedediah Giacchino, uh, Fox Forrest, Greg Fallon, Katie Walgrave, Jordan Phipps, and Darius White. Those are just some of the names. Um, and it, it's. You have five stories, technically six, because there's an opening and a closing segment that I guess is kind of considered a story as well, uh, which is Malvolia, the Queen of Screams, which is really interesting because if you remember watching like late night TV or, you know, around like Halloween, they would have their like um, their marathons of TV and they have like that that kooky host like like in Detroit, which is where I'm like closest to. We had Count Scary. And Count Scary would do Shocktober every every year I, for two weeks in October. Sometimes it bled into November, whatever. They would do two weeks of horror films, and Count Scary was the host. She's kind of like that. Uh, she's like an Elvira. She's like, um, oh shit, what's the other one? Fuck, I can't think of his name for some reason. But uh, he was kind of like a werewolf kind of guy. Um, but like basically like that kind of like kooky host and whatnot, and she kind of she kind of comes off as like an Elvira type, I guess you would say. And uh, she was actually she's played by Jennifer Nangle. Um, she's really cool though, and it, it that's how the movie starts off is like with her, and you have these two kids they're watching TV, and she's on the TV, and she's like, oh, we have, you know, uh, I have an anthology of stories for you this Halloween. And let's get right into it. And so you have five stories. The five stories are The Old Hag, Trespassers, Killing the Dance, The Halloween Blizzard of 1991, and The Wayne Slasher, which I'll get to a point about that in a minute. But uh, starting with the first story, and I'm again, I'm going to try to keep the spoilers to a very minimum. Uh, basically, The Old Hag is Justin M. Seaman's segment. And... The synopsis basically is two guys arrive at an old home to shoot a promo video to help it rent out a few rooms. It's really like a gothic looking house and whatnot. And uh, Mitchell Mussolino and, ah, oh, shit. <sighs> Fuck, who was the other guy? I want to say it was Nicholas Joshua. Uh, they play, um, I think the names were uh, David and Tyler or something like that. I, I've only watched this once, so bear with me on this. Anyways, uh, so they're like this up, like upstart um, production company, and and they go in and they want to like they're they're talking to this woman about doing a commercial to promote her house, and the one guy, Ty, I think I believe his name is Tyler, keeps uh, seeing this creepy looking old woman, and learns about how like the locals called it the gingerbread house, where apparently this like old hag is like haunting the house or whatever, and she chokes out victims and all this shit. And the whole segment is basically, is he seeing things or is it all in his head? Um, it's really well done. The old hag is really creepy looking. Um, I'm almost positive they pulled a Zelda from Pet Cemetery, and it's actually a guy playing the role. Um, also, it's the only nudity you see in the film, um, an old lady. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you're looking like, you know, you're hoping to see some hot babe with some TNA showing, uh-uh, you're getting like a hundred year old woman. Um, and so deal with it, motherfuckers. But anyways, <laughs> um, it, it's a really cool and creepy segment. Um, very Halloween feeling like every segment in here 
minus the Halloween Blizzard of 1991, is very Halloween oriented. Like you can tell, they were they definitely had a direction to make this kind of like trick or treat. Um, because uh, Trick or Treat is a great anthology as well, and very well done in the fact that all the stories intermingled. This not so much. Um, they don't try to intermingle the stories, but still, it's you definitely get the Halloween feel from this. Um, and the old hag is like really cool. Uh, it's a it's a good nice starting point for the movie. It, you know, it it has this creepy factor, and you know it, it's got a bit of humor to it and whatnot. Kind of sets the mood perfectly. And after that, you jump into the next one, which is called Trespassers. And Trespassers is directed by Zane Hirschberger. And basically, it's uh, the synopsis I actually grabbed from some guy's comment. There's no synopsises uh, for these movies on uh, on IMDb or anywhere, eh? like, the, like for the skits. So I kind of was looking around, and I saw some guy wrote a comment kind of describing this one. So this is the synopsis unofficially. Um, after a disappointing movie, a cute purple haired chick, (laughs) that's how the dude wrote it, uh, takes her lame first date boyfriend to an abandoned murder house where legend has it, a scarecrow appeared and possibly cursed those living there. And she wants to find out the truth about what happened. First of all, I will say, yes, she is very cute. I kind of almost fell in love, but that's another story for another day. Uh, And the boyfriend is definitely fucking lame as hell. As a matter of fact, his acting is a little bit to be desired. He uh, (laughs) really feels like he's reading his lines. But I almost wonder if that's the charm to it all. Um, It's really cool, really creepy. Again, another Halloween-based story. Um, Very well filmed. I I thought uh, some of the, uh, like, there's not a lot of gore. Uh, This movie is kind of hit and miss with the gore. Some of the stories have it, some of them don't. Uh, this story has a bit of blood and whatnot, but it's more just the whole creepy scarecrow. The keep the creepy scarecrow, the shadows, um, and the fact that it's like this really hot girl with this boyfriend that like you're wondering how the fuck did he even get this first date? Uh, it's it's really an interesting uh, skit. Definitely a nice follow up to the old hag. Uh, it keeps the pace going and whatnot. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, out of uh, the five stories, there's only one that's kind of a letdown, but it's really, it's it's still a good story. Um, from there, you go, because I'm not spoiling the ending to this one, so uh, from there you go to the third story, which is called Killing the Dance, which has one of the coolest bloopers I've ever seen. Because I get the feeling when I'm watching this, it feels very 70s. Um, It's basically, uh, the synopsis is a teen girl has to babysit her younger brother while she works Halloween night at the roller rink where things go completely wrong. Now, the whole roller rink thing, the the way everyone is dressed and whatnot, I got a feeling that this story took place in the 70s. But there's one scene, very early on in the skit, you see the brother's bedroom. And he's got, like, the old tube TV, everything. He's got, like, an older-looking bed and whatnot. And then there's an Xbox 360 sitting on his dresser. And it just strikes me funny because it's like, first of all, if he had an Xbox 360, he wouldn't be playing it on a tube TV. At least I don't think he would be. <laughs> um, it just it looked kind of off. It, it, just, it was one of those bloopers where I was like, wow, that was kind of funny. Um, but that said, like, it's... A really, fuck, this is, it's a pretty creepy skit, Um, especially in terms of the later half of the segment uh, when we start to see, like, the killer and whatnot. The killer's mask is fucking creepy as hell, which I kind of liked. It looks really goofy and cartoony, but I find that that's what makes it creepy. Um, Shit, I I don't want to spoil a whole lot, so I'm trying to dance around things here. Uh, The music is really cool. I did see a, f- a few people, I wouldn't say they were complaining, but they kind of noted that uh, the skating scenes where we see like the roller rink and whatnot, they kind of go on a little too long. Um, that said, I think it was to set the mood. It was to kind of um, show you that like as much as this was a crowded skating rink, it was very isolated. Like you could see how things could happen in this skating rink without the general public really noticing. 
So I thought it was very well done, actually. It, it had a nice environment to it. Definitely um, a nice follow-up to Trespassers and the old hag. Now, the next skit, or segment, sorry, whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, done by Brett DeYager. This was kind of the one that I didn't know how I felt about it. Um, it's not bad. I mean, by no stretch of the imagination is it bad. Uh, but it's the Halloween blizzard of 1991, Halloween night, and a blizzard hits the town of Duluth, Minnesota, uh, with an in- with interesting trick-or-treaters and a visit from good old St. Nick. Uh, one family's Halloween is anything but typical. And I don't know, like, this one seemed off to me. Not that that's a bad thing. It kind of changed the pace of the, the movie, though. But again, it it wasn't a bad story. Like, you're still engaged in it. Like, I, I still watched it. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Let's see where this goes. And the acting is, well, okay, the acting, some of the actors are really good. Some of them, I don't know if it was intentional for them to be completely robotic and wooden or if they're just bad actors. And I don't like going that route because, like, I, and I've said this before on this podcast. I've said it on multiple podcasts that I've been on. People put their heart and soul into these things. I don't want to say that this person, these people are bad actors. I get the feeling they were directed to be this way. It's a a very interesting family. Without spoiling the ending or anything like that, let's just say the ending kind of catches you off guard. You're just like, wait, what the fuck just happened? It then leads into the fifth and final story which this is kind of where I have a little bit of a, a gripe because it's the Sal Wayne slasher, not Sam Hain. I fucking hate it when people pronounce it, pronounce it Sam Hain. It's Salwin. And I know it's spelt Sam Hain, but that's not how it's pronounced. And there's one part where you hear like a reporter on the TV and he's, he's saying the Sam Hain slasher. It's not Sam Hain. It's Salwin. The Samhain Slasher is the fifth and final skit. It's directed by Rocky Gray. This one, it's, it runs about, uh, I want to say, 19, 20 minutes long. And it's kind of an interesting story because it has a double plot to it. Uh, it's a double plot story in which a killer stalks a small town on Halloween night. While also, you have this story of this widowed father who's haunted by the curse of, like, a, a, it's almost like he has, like, a tortured imagination and it's brought on by the grieving from the loss of his wife. Again, another story of grieving uh, from someone passing away, like someone being lost, uh, kind of like Veronica. And um, so it, it starts off, it, it, it's kind of dealing with the widowed father. Then it kind of goes off and deals with the the killer stalking a small town on a Halloween night, and then it ends with the father. And I'm not going to say how it ends, but it it just it was kind of an interesting story how it kind of had like two plots going at the same time which i don't know how i completely felt about that cuz it almost feels like you're kind of wondering why is it called the Sawin slasher if if we're going to have like this other story about this father who's like tortured by his like you know his cursed psyche like it, you know being torn down by his grieving and whatnot so I don't know. It, it, it's it's fun to watch. Um, I kind of feel like it's almost like two segments in one kind of thing. Uh, so I don't know. It, it's a little bit of a detractor, but not horrible. I mean, the killer has a really cool mask. Um, and uh, very Michael Myers-ish, if that's a proper way of terming it. Like, you know, proper terminology. Um it's not bad though. Uh, all in all, like uh, basically, to tie up the whole DVD, pa- <clears throat> excuse me, the whole DVD package. First of all, the movie is released through ScreamTeamReleasing.com. If you want to purchase it, go there. Uh, very cheap. I got mine for fifteen ninety nine plus shipping. Um, they've got uh, there's a DVD format and VHS. And, I tell you, the VHS is tempting. Uh, no Blu-ray yet. No Blu-ray yet for this movie. Uh, but the barn, you know, they didn't get their their Blu-ray till later on. So I assume a Blu-ray will be coming. It's just at 
current moment, it's only DVD format, uh, two versions of the DVD are available. One has the Indiegogo variant poster artwork, and one has the original Travis Smith design, which is like the original poster uh, for the film. Uh, soundtrack is also available through the website, and uh, it do it, it's got a lot of the score. And then there's um, artists like Lindsay Schoolcraft with Morgan Lander from Kitty. Um, there's Rebel Flesh is on there. Uh, there's like two other bands. I can't remember who they are, um, but it, it's a decent soundtrack. I know I'm going to be buying it soon. Um, like I said, of the five stories, four of them are really, 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 really strong. And then the fourth one there, the Blizzard one, is it's decent, but probably the weakest of the stories. Uh, not a massive ton of gore. Uh, there's some really cool scenes. The, actually, the final segment, uh, the Salwin Slasher, has some really cool gore in it. Um, and I, I already mentioned this, but I have it written down here. Uh, Madame Malvolia, she really reminded me of the old days when I was a kid and I grew up watching Shocktober on Channel 50 and Count Scary was hosting. That's what, it, it, she really reminded me of that. Um, I found that um, also, like, the music in the film, like, the music score itself is really, really cool, but some of it was very reminiscent of John Carpenter's score for the original Halloween, almost to the point where it, it kind of felt like they were, like, almost, like, stealing it. Um, I mean, it's not the same music, but because it's so similar, it really did feel like they kind of borrowed just a little too much from it. But I mean, overall, it, it again, it's nothing that really detracts from the film. If anything, it gives it more of a, a Halloween feel to it. And I really had nothing that like I could complain about with it. Uh, all in all, it's a fun Halloween anthology. Uh, definitely worth adding to, um, well, to my festive All Hallows Eve mo- movie marathon I do every year. Um, it's a strong, I, I'll be honest with you. I give it like a 7.5 or an eight out of 10. It's that good. It it really is. I mean, and this is the thing, like, don't go into it expecting like you're going to see like something that came from universal studios. It's not that it, it's a low budget film. It looks low budget. It sounds low budget. It's beautiful because it's low budget. Um, and, and so much uh, like a, a ton of practical effects, so you know that the creative team like put a lot of thought and effort into this. They had a lot of fun with it. It's definitely I I definitely recommend it. Like and I I mean I fuck I'll lend people my copy of it if I have to. <laughs> like I I think people need to see this movie. It's definitely a nice homage to the horror that we grew up with as kids. Um I I really don't know what else to say because I I really don't want to spoil a lot of it. I just I, I recommend it. If you're a horror nerd and you love your your classic '80s horror, your classic '70s horror, um, and I'm talking like the slasher genre and shit like that, give it a whirl. And, and or if you if you like trick or treat, like that was a great anthology. Creep Show, the, the Creep Show movies are amazing. They're fucking awesome. Um, this is a nice homage to those as well. So I I, I don't know. I, for me personally, I recommend this. Um, and on that note, you know what? It's time to wrap this episode up. I want to thank everyone for listening again this week. Um, I've been kind of like, you know, looking around on the net and whatnot. And I've noticed that there, there's quite a bit of support for the show lately. And I really appreciate that. So I wanted to thank everyone. On top of that, uh, there is a lot of ways you can find the podcast now. I've been opening social media accounts everywhere. Uh <laughs> Starting obviously with nextlevelradioonline.com, podcast zero slash podcast zero. Um, definitely, it, Next Level Radio has some really good podcasts. Like I said, or like I was saying earlier, uh, Caffeine Crew, go back and look for their Halloween episode. I think they actually released it like November, I want to say November 6th or November 10th. Um, it's a fun episode. Uh, not as uh, deep into the horror vault. Uh, they talk a lot about the more mainstream films, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, mainstream horror is still horror. Uh, it doesn't always have to be like, you know, deep dug into the vaults, like, like dug deep into the vaults of like, you know, like the dead hate the living and shit like that. 
you can have a nice, good horror conversation talking about Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, and it's a really good, a really good episode from the podcast. So, I and like I said, it's Next Level Radio, right? Stick with the stick with the network, man. We we've got some great podcasts on this network. Uh, DC Primetime this morning just released a really fucking kick ass, um, like two hour episode, and again. They ranted just as much as I did about Arrow, uh, but I mean, there's some there's some great podcasts on on this network, you know. Um, and, and Caffeine Crew is one that I I definitely hype up as well. Um, it, continuing now with this podcast, uh, you can also email the podcast What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero at gmail dot com, uh, Facebook Facebook dot com slash What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. My beloved Twitter at WLB podcast underscore zero. Um, okay, so apparently Vero is a new app that's like, you know, taking off apparently. Uh, I guess it's been around since 2015, but I don't know. I joined it like last week and uh, it was really cool actually. A quick little story. A friend of mine, David Jones, uh, he like introduced my account on vero and Zack snyder liked it that kind of made my day um Zack snyder uh love him or hate him he's a you know he's a famous director and he's been successful at a lot of what he's done and he gave us one hell of a kick-ass dawn of the dead so fuck you and the horse you rode in on if you don't like him i don't really fucking care i think Zack snyder is a good guy and i was kind of like thrilled that he liked my introduction uh, but anyways, on Vero, you can find uh, the podcast of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Uh, Letterboxd, which is where I'll be doing a lot of my um, online reviews. I-, I don't write a lot. It's usually about like, you know, five to ten sentences. And I'll give like a star rating and like a rating out of ten and whatnot. Kind of like I do on on the podcast or whatever. But letterbox.com slash WLB underscore podcast zero. And there's the Red Bubble store which um, I'll be putting a few more designs on within the next week or two. But if you'd like to get a nice shirt with the logo on it, and I have one, and a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine, Richard, just bought one, and they look really sweet. They look really nice. Uh, Redbubble.com slash people slash podcast number zero. Not the word zero, but podcast and then the number zero. Uh, Go on there, and you can get yourself a nice logo T-shirt. There's coffee mugs. Or not mugs. Um, what are they like? The traveling cups and whatnot, uh, clocks, stickers, um, a whole bunch of shit on there. Feel free to uh, buy whatever you like. You know, I don't make much off of it, so don't worry about like you know, you know that you're throwing your money at some cheap bastard like myself. No, no, no. I don't make much money off of it. It's just nice and cool to have like you know the logo flying around like different places and people seeing it and maybe they'll listen to me. I don't know. Um. But that's about it. Like I said, I'm kind of getting myself out there and whatnot. Uh, I, next week, next week should be an interesting episode. Uh, I've been working, uh, kind of trying to work out some details this past week. Um, I, I'm I'm really hoping next week pans out because there's a certain friend of mine that I've been wanting to bring on the show since I started this. Uh, he's a horror nerd and then some, just like myself. And we'll be talking. It should he should everything work out good. Him and I will be talking about the movie Brain Damage, which if you've seen Brain Damage, you know this is a wild fucking movie. And on top of that, the friendship that myself and my friend Jacob have, we can get pretty fucking stupid sometimes, and we do it just for shock value and to have fun and whatnot. So. All I can say is I have no clue what next week's episode is going to end up sounding like, but it should be a lot of fun. So on that note, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Um, and like I say, should you know all the stars align properly, uh, next week I will have a guest, and it's going to be a fucking weird-ass show. So you may want to tune in for that one. Not to mention, I mean, brain damage. Have you seen this movie? It's fucking weird. Um <laughs> done by the same guy who did what basket case and frankenhooker uh do i have to say more so anyways on that note thank you for tuning in and i'll be back next week 
provided like, you know, I don't get impaled or lose my head or, you know, vampires don't attack me down a dark alley or whatever. I don't know. Sometimes I wish that was the world we lived in instead of the world we actually live in. You know, at least it'd be a little bit more exciting. I mean, like, at least then if I'm running, like, you know, from vampires, like, it sounds cool, right? Ah, whatever. Who the fuck cares? All right. I'm out. And you guys have yourself a wonderful week from your homicidal host of horror and humility and no, not humility. Is humility sound good? I you know what? I, I'm gonna put this out here right now. Someone come up for some someone come up for me, like come up with the idea of an ending tagline for my podcast. I can never seem to think of something cool to say when I'm signing this goddamn thing off. So Contest. Someone come up with a nice tagline that I can sign off the shows with. Because for some reason, that is like the hardest part that I struggle with every goddamn fucking week. What do I say when I'm signing off? You know what I mean? Like, like okay, like, for instance, like the podcast Nightmare on Film Street. When they're signing off, they say, stay spooky. Um, DC Primetime. Rob always says, peace. Um... I can't say peace because I'm talking about blood and gore, so it just doesn't sound right. And not to mention that's someone else's, you know, sign-off, like, saying. So to all of you listening to the podcast, come up with a good, like, slogan or a tagline or something that I can say to sign off the podcast with. I'll credit you with it, too. Don't worry about it. Like, And you'll get, like, stickers and, like, you know, I'll even credit you, like, you know, like on the write-ups and whatnot. But... Because I, I've struggled with this every goddamn fucking week. So, putting it out to all my listeners, if you can think of something really cool for me to say at the end, I might come up with something on my own, but I've really been struggling with this lately. I, I, I'll be, like, totally indebted to you, okay? How's that sound? Not that you can answer me right now, but, like, send me a message, send me, like, you know, a comment or whatever, and just let me know if you can think of something, like, really fucking cool to say. You know, like, I don't know, keep your crucifixes close and your blood closer or something like, like, you know what I mean? Like something like that sounds really cool and not fucking lame. All right. Okay, cool. On that note, I'm just going to let the music like taper off into the end of this episode and next week I'll be back. Okay. Have a good one.